Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Everyone in life no matter what they do, faces criticism and also faces self-doubt. Live with it, own it, remain confident in your own authenticity and your own voice. Be confident in who you are. That is actor, writer and producer Adele Vuko, and this is episode 199 of the Osher Ginsberg Podcast. Welcome to episode 199 of the Osher Ginsberg podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg, and today's episode is with Adele Vuko. You can find her on Instagram at A-D-E-L-E underscore V-U-K-O, or you can find the work that she does online at skitbox.tv. More about Adele in just a moment. Welcome to the show. Um, I should kick off the uh, show a bit this week talking a bit about the same-sex marriage postal survey. We are currently in Australia facing a situation where our government is, unfortunately, uh, posting out a survey to households all across the nation asking uh, if same-sex marriage should be changed, the law changed, so it can allow same-sex people to marry. Um I've been posting a bit about this online. I've been engaging with a lot of people who are staunch no voters and um, talking with them and conversing with them. Uh, a little annoyed that the people who are on my Instagram feed and my Facebook feed uh, shut them down and kind of shout and get angry. And that's not going to help. But um, I did want to just basically, look, I'm going to assume that if you're here, if you're the kind of person that will listen to the show, it's, it's quite likely that you're leaning to vote yes. However, I'm, I'm sure that there's some people that listen to this that want to vote no. So 
I just want to take a few minutes and and just I just want to take a few minutes and talk to you if you have made up your mind that you're voting no. You've seen the ads, you've heard the talkback radio, you've read the Facebook posts. You're not going to change your mind. No way. It's your right to vote no. It's okay to say no. Could I ask though, how would you feel if the situation was reversed? Just think about that. How would you feel if the kind of relationship that you're in, where you and the person that you hold at night when you're scared, the one who looks to you for joy and support, how would you feel if the kind of relationship that you're in was being torn to shreds in the public discourse every day? How would you feel if you and the person that you're attracted to through your particular mix of biology, how would you feel if you and that person were just asking to be treated equally and to be accepted wholly by our society? Imagine, if you will, how you'd feel if the human being that you like to have intimate physical moments with, moments that have nothing to do with anyone outside of your bedroom, how'd you feel if you were asking the rest of Australia, could you please accept us as equals? What would it make you feel if the people who opposed your simple request to be treated like an equal human being, what would it make you feel like if those people were relying on triggering anger and fear responses in their supporters, just welding their minds closed to any change of heart? How would you like to be told that your relationship would bring around the downfall of their relationship and all relationships like theirs? How would you feel if people in politics, people of high media profiles, people with loud public voices constantly told you, be quiet, be happy with what you have? How would it make you feel if perfect strangers, people you'll never meet, had the chance to do you an incredible kindness, but they are refusing to do it because of a religious belief that has nothing to do with you? How would you feel if you had a child that through the luck of birth was in a minority, which made them five times more likely to attempt suicide than their peers. Now, these attempts have been proven not to be a result of their sexuality, but are instead a direct result of stigma and discrimination. A stigma and discrimination that you're asking the rest of Australia to start to dismantle. Australia has always changed the laws to reflect the changes that happen in our society's values over time. Less than 100 years ago, we changed the law so that women could vote. Just over 50 years ago, we changed the law so that Aboriginal people could vote. It's astonishing to consider that we had to do these things. But that's what our laws were, and that reflected our values at the time. Now, there was incredible opposition to both of these changes, and both of these changes had opponents who promised that the sky would fall in if these laws passed, and that they were a Trojan horse for all kinds of other agendas. Neither of those things happened. In fact, the only thing that did happen was that it made our great country stronger and more resilient. If you're a person of religious faith, there's nothing wrong with adhering to the teachers of that faith. Nothing wrong with adhering to the teachings of that, of that faith in your family home. For many, a life of faith and devotion is a path to great happiness. That's a wonderful thing. However, would you like someone of another faith enshrining in law that you were a lesser human than they were in our society? Of course not. Many faiths have kindness and compassion as core tenets of their teachings. 
Here's your chance to show immense kindness and compassion to people who live among you in your immediate community. Please consider the reasons that you're voting no. Do any of them have anything to do with the question that is actually being asked? Or do they have more to do with what might happen if the yes vote passes? If we were actually asking for some of the things that the no campaign is promising will happen, I'd be voting no. I'd be voting no right alongside you. But we're not. We're, not, we're being asked about one thing and one thing only. Do you support a change in the law to allow same-sex couples to marry? That's it. We're not being asked about freedom of speech. We're not being asked about freedom of religion, gender theory. We're not being asked about co-ed toilets. Please, trust in the democratic process of our country. And if they come for your religious freedom, if they come for your freedom of speech, if they try to put a co-ed toilet in a shopping centre... I'll be protesting just as loudly and I'll be standing right alongside you. Because we have a chance as a nation right now to make life a whole lot more wonderful for many people in our community. Our family, our friends, our colleagues. I promise you, kindness feels a lot better than fear of change. Please, try to imagine what life would be like if the tables were turned. Please, vote with the kindness and the love in your heart that you would want for yourself. You can always email me if you want. Send Osher email at gmail.com. So if you'd like to chat about marriage equality or anything else, there I am. Just write to me. I'll write back. Thanks for all the people that sent an email this week. Uh, with a photo of what they're looking at right now. We like to call it here a podsy, P-O-D-S-I-E, just hashtag podsy. It's a, uh, take out your phone, take a photo of whatever it is you're looking at while you listen to this. Got some great ones this week. Killer. A couple of really lovely bits of gardening. A freaking brilliant one from a farm. It was just like this gorgeous kind of Renaissance picture of uh, a Labrador observing two geese while a chicken looked on and a lamb was in the corner. It was freaking great. Um, but it's it's just wonderful to see the photographs uh, from around the country and indeed around the world of what it is you're looking at while you listen to this show and and where it is you're taking me in. I think I even got this week, I got to go and visit um, a crater way out in far, far, far away Northern Territory. Um, that was amazing, you know, to get this photo of the utter, utter outback and this uh, kind of rugged old Hilux out there battling away through the dusty brown land. It was freaking great. Um, loving those photos. Get such a kick out of it. You can send it to me. Send us your email at gmail.com or just uh, tag me on Instagram or Twitter or Snapchat or wherever. A big thanks to everybody that supported the show this week on Patreon. For five bucks a month, you can support this show. It goes in a long way to help this show succeed. It allows me to make this show each and every week. Without your support, I couldn't make the show. So thank you, thank you, thank you so, so much. For less than a buck twenty-five a week, you can help out, uh, help me pay my producer, Andy, and my production coordinator, Hayley. Uh, without those two people, I can't make the show, and I've got to be able to pay those people. So thank you so, so much. You're paying those guys. I'm not taking any cash for this. To check in with you, uh, I'm doing okay this week. I had a faint whiff of a panic attack precursor the other day. A bit like kind of like if we live in an apartment building. Like if you live in an apartment and you go, I think, I think, 
people two doors down, three floors below us and making a cheese toasty. Like when you can kind of have a faint whiff in a faraway room. That's kind of what it was like. I was like, oh, I remember that feeling. That feeling came in the days and hours before the last time I had a panic attack. Oh, I remember that. Oh, okay then. What am I going to do about that? I'll, I'll tell Audrey, let her know that's happening. I'll try and drink a bit less coffee. I'll go and do something physical. I'll write about it and get a bit more sleep tonight. And you know what? The next day it was all right. So I'm doing a bit of that at the moment. And, and this is all a part of living life on, a, on less meds, um, but that's okay. I'm, you know, learning how to live at, at this kind of lower dose and that's okay. I did, like I mentioned, I did start writing things out again, which is helping, helps to get things out of my head, particularly like if they're going to run around in my head every 48 seconds or less, I'll just write them down every 48 seconds or less. And eventually my brain goes, oh, okay then. So we've thought about that. Even if I have, it's like doing write outs at school, to be honest, it doesn't take much. It's easy to do. And um, tends to get the energy out of my head and down onto the page, helps things quieten down a bit. And I, I think the other thing that I'm figuring out this week a lot more is that I don't think I'll ever be able to shut up the noise in my brain. I think my brain's just going to be noisy. Um, but I can change the way I listen to that noise. And I can either choose to engage with it and react to it or just observe it. And I'm, I'm trying every day. I'm meditating every day again. And I'm, I'm trying hard to just observe the noise and go, okay, all right. So there's this negative thought flying around. Okay. And let it kind of fly by. And that's, that's working out a bit better. Yeah. So that's what's going on. Jeez, sorry, it's taken me so long. But uh, I should probably tell you about my guest today. Adele Vuko is one-third of the all-female, all all-Australian, all-comedy team called Skitbox. You can find her on Instagram, at A-D-E-L-E-V-U-K-O. She is one of the brilliant women behind the viral explosion that was activewear. You know the video I'm talking about. And she's part of a growing scene of successful online filmmakers that are finding a way to pay their bills and feed their kids through creating comedy and things that they're passionate about. Skipbox have recently finished working on an incredibly funny sketch show. Uh, you can watch it on ABC iView. It's called Wham Bam Thank You Ma'am. Uh, it's freaking, it's very funny. It's very clever, very well put together. In this conversation that I have with Adele, we talk about her path into comedy, what it means to set and stick to a deadline, and the importance of surrounding yourself with people who are moving in the same direction that you are. Now, Adele is, she's a wonderful human being. Uh, she is the mother of two kids. Her partner is, incidentally, Christian Van Vuren, who's um, the bloke from Bondi Hipsters, the one without the glasses. But, you know, they, her, both Adele and uh, Sarah and Greta, they're all a part of uh, this you know, incredible team who are set to take over the comedy scene in Australia. Her particular story is quite an inspiration, um, particularly if you're doing something that you are not really wanting to jump out of bed and do every day. Um, Adele is here to fire you up with her story of how she changed her career and she changed her life. If you like what you hear, you can search Skitbox on YouTube or you can find them on Instagram at S-K-I-T underscore B-O-X. Let them know that you heard them here. Uh, Thanks so much for being here. Enjoy this conversation with Adele Vuko. 
How do I pronounce your last name, Adele? Vuko. Vuko. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good. As someone with an odd last name, yeah. I always. Uh, I always well, it's ask. actually shortened for Vukomanovic. Uh huh. Yeah, but that's you know, that's childhood trauma of people mispronouncing Vukomanovic for so long that we went. Vuko. We as a family. Yeah. Yeah, everyone goes by Vuko. When did you, was it a family? Okay, kids, dinner time. We have something to talk to you about. <laughs> everyone did it on their own, like respectively, you know, by themselves. Yeah. But um, it wasn't really like an official announcement. Oh, okay. We just all kind of found is ourselves being Vuko. Is it still on your passport? As a long Vuko Manovich is on my on passport. I love it though. I kind of, I love Vuko Manovich. Yes. Yeah. It's beautiful and I'll always keep it as my actual name. Oh, unless when I get married, I don't know what I'm going to do there. <laughs> Well, Audrey didn't change her name because she already had a last name. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good for her. <laughs> There's that. Oh. You know, there is oh, that. You already have last names. You've already yeah. got a last name as a woman. You already come with one. Nice. Why yeah. do you need to change it? Uh, I know. It's so funny. Yeah, you know, nobody owns you. Yeah, uh, that's true. That's it, true. It, it's fine. Yeah, that's um, true. My mum my passed away last in the last few months. And, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, I, we, all, we all get old. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but um, there was a lot of conversation about her headstone. Yep. Because um, oh, yeah. you've got to order them like. Right. Wow. Ages out, right? And she's being buried at the family plot that they have down in Adelaide. And my sister in law actually went, you know what? Give it a N E the knee, like the what their maiden name was. Yeah. Just like put her maiden name there. Yeah. Because a lot of the time women's names get lost. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, in very, history. Yeah, very good point. It's kind of true. But what's good about your surname is it's already it's already pre Australian. Yeah. No one can Vuko. Oh, yeah, Vuko. Yeah. You're going to shout that across a work site. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. I think maybe that's why it's stuck. Yeah, well, it's good. And it Gins- gets Ginsburg was boots. hard. Ginsburg was, it was Gins and then it went back to G and then. Yeah. I don't think it'd get much shorter than that. Yeah. And then that's when you start to elongate it mm. as an Australian. So you yeah. start being like G, Gizzo. Yeah, G Money, G Force. Yeah, yeah. G Swizzle, all that. Yeah. 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 Australia, so, Australian slang is weird. It is. We're an odd bunch. So Vukomanovic, hmm. uh, when did the Vukomanovic's show up in Australia? Um, after World War II. Yeah. They were refugees um, from Serbia. So the Russian communists took over, took everything they owned. Uh, my grandma came here when she was 12. And um, with her, built, ba- built with her family? Yeah, yeah. So that's my dad's, obviously my dad's family. Yeah. And, um, yeah, they built themselves from nothing, you know, and... and how, did, how did they get here? How did they get to Australia? Because my, my mum, the same Russians, yeah. uh, in Lithuania, they were, yeah. a, geez, they were a staunch bunch, those Ruskies. Oh, I know. They just took whatever was in front of them. I know. It was pretty it was, awful. Yeah, horrible. So God. my mum, they, they, they actually, you know, they came via, via boat. That's how they got there. Yeah. So how did they get out of Serbia? That, they actually, it's... Uh, I've, got to, I've got to sit down with my grandma. You've got to. Record it. You've got to. But anecdotally, like from my dad, a little bit from my grandma, what I know is that her mother, who was a single mum at the time, she had two older boys. They were both conscripted for the war. Hmm. One came back. Um, no, one didn't come back, uh, and they didn't know if he was alive for months. They ended up finding him in Australia. The other one, wow. they knew he was alive, and he was making his own way from wherever. Yeah. But my grandmother, who was 12 at the time, and her mum, they st- they kind of got smuggled out. They paid smugglers to get them out of Serbia across the border. And they were with a group of people who had all done the same thing. And my great-grandmother, who was a very oh, aggressive, just pure Serb woman, she took no shit from anyone, not even Russian soldiers, um, at one point she got paranoid that the smuggler was actually going to take them back to the enemy. Hmm. And so she started conspiring with the other people in the group to um, kill him. 
At 12. No, no, so this is my great-grandmother, so oh, her mother. Her mother. My 12-year-old okay. grandmother would have been watching, freaking yeah. out. Um, so her mum conspired with all these people and almost convinced them to kill him. But then they pulled out and they got successfully smuggled uh, out of Serbia and the guy was just doing his job. He was a nice guy. So. Which way did they go? Oh, I don't know. don't know. Right. That's, that's where I need to get yeah. more info. Yeah. But I know they got on a boat um, and they came to Australia as legal refugees yeah. um, and were in those kind of housing. We didn't mind so much back then. If you weren't brown, they were, I mean, my, my mum's family definitely came in under white Australia. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good for them. I yeah. Lucky. They spoke, all they could speak though was German. Yeah. Because they'd been living in Germany after wow. the war. Wow. So they turn up and they're speaking German. So everyone thought they were the enemy and they were, oh, you geez, know. Oh, that's were, hard. Uh, it was, yeah. But it just, to, to even think that our little country, well, little huge, but at the mm. time there was only 4 million people living yeah. here was even on the radar for people in that part of the world yeah. as a place that you could go. Yeah. Because it would have been, you would have been essentially going to Mars. Yeah, it absolutely. That far away. And such a different culture, completely different to what you grew up with. Yeah. I know they, they didn't, from what my grandmother says, they didn't struggle uh, in terms of uh, integrating and they mm. didn't come across any kind of um, racism or anything like that. Uh, my grandmother's so grateful for everything that the government did and they, yeah. they just worked their butts off to kind of rebuild their lives. Yeah. Same, so, with, same, with, same with my family. But what's wild is the Woodside Detention Centre in Adelaide, that's where they still go. Really? Yeah, they still send refugees there to, to go. And uh, it's, 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 yeah. The, what do you do, you know? Like, um, it's a tough one. Yeah, but that, that you are a product of this woman who is brave enough to go, we're just going to have to go and this is how we're going to go. Yeah. This is the way we're going to go. Exactly. And, yes, it might be dangerous in this truck with this smuggler, but it's safer than what's waiting yeah. If we stay. Yeah. Which is why I just can't understand the current situation that we're in with these asylum seekers and uh, the, the rhetoric, obviously, that is everywhere about how um, they're illegal immigrants and they're trying to take whatever, you know, our jobs or take yeah. it, all that kind of stuff. It just, I mean, I have two children. Um, I have two little babies and I know firsthand I would do absolutely, I would get on anything, anytime if I needed to get them to safety, even if it was, you know, across dangerous waters um and there are still people even even um refugees themselves who think that 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 they shouldn't they don't belong here and they don't belong they don't deserve our uh, asylum it's 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 madness yeah and when you look at what our country has become because of immigration it's i spent the weekend it was a sales thing down in force creek mm. and on the drive from albury you pass i don't know like five power stations like yeah. all these it's incredible infrastructure built by not not anglo aussies no. all people mostly refugees yeah. who came to australia being yeah. you know economic refugees or someone who's like you know standing around in the south of greece going well, I could stand here on this pile of rubble for a while yeah. or i could go to the other side of the world where there's work and take yeah. my family absolutely and as you deserve yeah. yeah, yeah, and we've definitely got the space. But then again, you know, I'm such a – I don't know. I, 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 as I get older, I notice – you know, I think the people that think different from, differently from me in society, the loudest voices think a lot differently from me. Yeah. All right? But there's 
I think, a vast majority of voices that think only slightly different, differently from me. Yep. And in the same way that my mind could change, their mind could change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I really think it's only we're only one great story to tell away from changing each of those people's minds. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think really we kind of have this idea that, well, I kind of had this idea for a long time that anyone that goes, yes, Manus Island, yes, lock them up, that's how everyone that isn't me thinks. Well, mm-hmm. it's not really the case. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of people are like, ah, it's better than this way. Yeah. It's maybe, I don't know, an hour conversation yeah. away from changing their mind. Absolutely. And you never know what the other thing as well is, um, you know, because there's this uh, growing thought that the left, the far left are also now as aggressive with their opinions and um, derisive um, in their comments to people that don't agree with them. Mm. Um, there is this opportunity for anyone at any point in time who has any given opinion to have an open mind and to listen to people's arguments, even if, I mean, lock them up, they deserve it. Like, I mean, obviously that's a bit, that's a bit far-fetched, but just to have that conversation and go, why do you think that? What, and put yourself in those shoes and, and, and what would you think then? And just to see where that kind of thought process goes and to understand why. And, I mean, I think it's all about fear, fear of change, fear of of your own for, for your own family. And that's the same fear that governs all of us, but we just have a different approach to how you deal with it. So I, I agree. I think having conversations and telling each other's stories can not only you could convince someone else of of, um, of what you think, but that you might just get an insight into how they think and maybe not um, villainize someone so quickly. Not that you do. I'm not saying you do it, but that's kind of what a lot of people. But I've been guilty of I've been guilty of villainizing people who thought differently of me. Mm-hmm. I've you know I've skipped through the waters of being the social justice warrior. I've skipped through the waters of being outraged. Uh, because goodness me, Adele, outrage feels freaking amazing, doesn't it? Feels so good to be righteously, <laughs> righteously outraged. Yep, indignant. How dare you <laughs> call that person? You know? Yeah. And I'm not, you know, I'm recognizing more and more that despite how great that feels, um, that's not actually how change happens. And, yeah, yeah. You know, a change for a, a society as a whole, like one, like the same-sex marriage scenario that we're facing in our country at mm. the moment, uh, a change that will affect so many Australians, straight and not straight, mm-hmm. is being so is being debated so wildly and correctly. And so I, I'm glad it's coming around now mm. and not five or ten years ago when mm. I was a, a lot more loose. Yeah. I would have just turned people off. Yeah. Oh, well, you know. You would have turned people off. The, pe- the probably the people that it's it's that hard thing because yeah, um, p- placing an argument or an opinion um, that's going to ruffle the feathers of the people you're trying to convince is never going to work. But it does feel great because you're going to have a lot of people going, "Yeah, you're right. They're idiots." But where does that where does that lead you? Where does yeah. that go? You know, um, I mean, the same thing can be said for you know um, ultra feminists um, on the left and then uh, and men's rights activists. Um, men's rights activists are very, very uh, divisive and, and um, aggressive, and and now there's this growing feminist left who are, you know, can be deemed just as um, aggressive. And 
And essentially, both of them have really, really strong ideals and issues that they need to work out. Um, men's rights activism, I think, uh, as, a, as an ideology is fantastic. It's just the way in which it's kind of brought to the public is, is pretty, you know, it's trolling and, and it can be hardcore. But these these issues they face are really um, important. And same with, obviously, feminism. And if you just took out the name calling and you took out that nastiness and, you know, I mean, it's very utopian, but if you just took away all the nastiness and name calling and where did it start and accusations and just went, here are the issues, um, let's work on each other's, you know, it, it, something would happen. We just have to figure out a political system that can allow that to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it, I think, and that might be one of the great changes we face in, in the next 20, 25 years yeah. is like uh, have we with communication being what it is, does a political system that was devised when people were on horses and carts and maybe Telegraph was around, maybe, mm. in the 1900s when Australia was founded, does a political system that's based in that serve a populace that gets their information and, you know, chooses things differently yeah. now than they did 120 years ago when our nation was founded? Uh, it certainly does not. It does not suit that and yeah. we need to break it. We need to break that system. When you're dealing with a population that was so extraordinarily isolated as Australia was in mm. 1901 and our constitution was kind of written at that, mm. you know, and our political system was constructed around the version of the Westminster system, mm-hmm. um, which, again, was, you know, got hundreds and hundreds of years and no one ever thought to, well, we've always done it this way, well, we'd do it in a different yeah. way. You know, does that active, actu- accurately represent... Because at the time, I'm sure, you know, maybe two or perhaps three political parties might have represented the broad amount of views and that mm. might happen, you mm. know. Mm. The broad amount of people might think one or the other way about mm. something. But mm. now in our current society with access to information and, you know, different expressions of thought being fine in our society, is it working? I don't know. Well, I mean, for me personally and for a lot of like-minded people, I feel like the, the, the three, the well, the two main powers in government like I don't really subscribe to either of their beliefs so what do you do you know is that democracy you know if you can't even vote for the person that you that you don't have an option um and that's that I think is why people are so um disinterested in voting people you know the gen y's people have um, I think I'm on the cusp of gen x and gen y but anyone under 30 it's it's just kind of like what's the point Mm. Uh, I'd rather not you know just kind of see what happens make my own way Mm. Make my own voice. Well, at least know? here in Australia, we actually have, uh, you know, they are liberals and nationals. So mm. there are, you know, two parties involved in the majority coalition. Mm. And then, you know, we do have green senators sitting in, in parliament. We, at least we do have a few parties. Yes. It's not like yeah. the states where it's like yeah. you can take <laughs> corporate funded person on the left or corporate funded person on the right. Go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's it. Such a mess. And then if you make a third choice, all you do is weaken the vote of the other one, yeah. who you probably, anyway. Hey, you could, you, we could do this, you know, this could, you know. We could, yeah. Look, um, <laughs> you are uh, famous and familiar to a lot of Australians who would know your face. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. No, you are. A lot of, as soon as I say, oh, no, it's the active work girl. <gasps> oh, really? She's coming in. Yes, she's coming in. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so but you you obviously have worked very hard to to become uh you know someone who's producing your own content, writing your own content, funding uh and, and creating this sort of stuff. When did uh the idea of wanting to be an actor show up in your life where you 
Um, were you still VUCA or were you this is pre-VUCA years? Oh, oh my gosh. Well, I decided to become an actor when I was about 20. So uh, before that I was in like advertising. Um, and at that point when I decided to become an actor, um, I thought VUCO was too ethnic and, you know, because I had a lot of trouble being cast and stuff or being seen because I am not, and back at the time, I'm not, you know, white, tall and blonde. Um, so I changed my name to Adele Jade and Jade is my middle name. So when I decided to go back to VUCO, that was probably uh, a couple more years after Jade didn't work and I was like, screw it, I'm just going to be me um, with my shortened name. So that is that's kind of where the acting stuff What was started. happening in your life at 20? Because a lot of people go, I'm going to be an actor from the age of eight. I know, I came into it late. What yeah. happened? What was going on? Um, so I... I was always interested in drama at school, but um, my hardworking uh, Gen X parents, who came from hardworking refugee parents, uh, really encouraged me to um, find a, what, what do they call it, like a um, back, backup plan. Yeah. You know? Trade. Get yourself a trade. Get yourself a trade. Um, so, and, and they kind of weren't, they weren't interested or able to really fund me to go to a drama school or anything like that. So I had to f- kind of figure it out for myself. Um, so I, I went to college and I studied advertising and then I had some corporate reception job and marketing. And um, on the side, I still kept up acting, but I kept it as a hobby. That's what I thought um, was go- just going to kind of keep me, you know, uh, inspired. And at one point, so I was going out with a guy um, who was pursuing acting and that was also my exposure to the acting world and I, I loved it so much. And then I won a competition, this random competition um, from, through Appleton Jamaica Rum. Um, like you literally just, I think I just did some online survey, didn't think of it, and it took me to Jamaica, like an all-expenses-paid trip to Jamaica. Damn. I know, it was amazing. Um, so... There was a stopover on the way back from Jamaica in LA and we decided to extend that trip because it was a free flight. You and the acting student boyfriend. Yeah, exactly, oh, yeah. to pursue acting in LA. Um, so I did that, quit my job, went to Jamaica and um, then went to LA and did about three months there and did some you know, um, acting classes and all that kind of stuff. Because you can do some of those really hardcore workshops. Did you do any of those ones yes. where you live in or anything like that? No, I didn't live in, but it was like a, an intense program, like yeah. five days a week, and it was um, all the Meisner techniques. So that's all repetition. So you yeah. just stand there all day just repeating uh-huh. in front of some stranger. Uh, it was actually really good. <laughs> it really helped me. Yeah. But um, that's that's when I decided. I came back and I was like, screw it. I'm going to I'm gonna pursue acting. And, um, and of course, I, mean, I still got jobs. In fact, I got a, a full-time job um, as a production assistant in a um, TV commercial production house. Yeah. Um, but under the proviso that I could skip out to auditions and still do my acting. But it's so important that you were able to find a job adjacent to what you were pursuing. You know, you couldn't, I'm going to go be a forklift driver yeah. and do this. Like a forklift foreman's not going to say, yes, yeah, sweet Adele, you can skip off. We've got a boat coming in, but you go right ahead and do your little show. Yeah. No. No. And, and I learned so much. They trained me up to p- pretty much um, learn how to put, put a shoe together. So that's kind of how um, after a few years of doing that and I got a couple of jobs acting, um, I got, you know, a couple like a gig on Underbelly and all that kind of stuff, Quit had to quit the full-time job, do that gig. Straight after that I met um, Sarah and Greta who are the co- collaborators on Skipbox 
Um, and because I had the skill set to put a shoot together, we kind of hit the ground running. Greta was an editor and still is. Um, Sarah just came up off the back of like heavy marketing and stuff because she was um, in an environmental um, kind of publicity and, and all that kind of stuff. And so we had these three skills. We all could write. We all wanted to do some funny stuff. And we just set a date. And we got together, jammed on some characters. A month later, we'd shot uh, a web series. And so when you look at that kind of weird timeline, at, at the time you just you just go from thing to thing, but you don't see that kind of end goal. I didn't go into the production house going, I'm going to train up and then start a collective, yeah. you know. But looking back on it, it was serendipitous and um, and it just, yeah, it's got me to where. But I'm so at. let's just, just re- just want to cover off just a little yeah. thing. So in the production house, mm. you found yourself a job. And, you know, this is what I'm just like for people who are listening that might go, you know, acting is maybe not for me. Maybe I'm into finance or whatever. Yeah. Like having that job adjacent where it's not so creepy if you stand around that a shoot that you're not technically on. Yeah. You say, look, can I just come and hang out? Yeah. Can I just come and see who does what? And, oh, mm-hmm. that's what a focus puller does. And, mm-hmm. oh, all right. Yeah. And um, I'm guessing that you did more Excel in your drama gig than you ever did in your marketing gig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Isn't that the funny? Mo- the number one thing you need to do to be in television is be able to make an Excel spreadsheet. It's uh, To put a call sheet together, <laughs> that's an art form. And I is. pride myself on it. I love it. All right. We yeah. have on Batchy, we have um, our first AD does all the call sheets and yeah. they actually leapfrog each other. Right. So one day we've got one first, the next day we've got the next yeah. first because that the previous first is putting the next day's yeah. call yeah. sheets together. Yeah. And of course, because we're in reality, you've got to wait for weather and, you know, is the seaplane oh. going to be able to make it over there and all this yeah. kind of malarkey. Mind boggling. Yeah. Sometimes you get call sheets late. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Those poor production girls or guys or, you know, back at the office, they must be doing midnight 1 a.m. finishes. Yeah, I get them through around there. But we're we're still on set at three, so it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) So, but that's really, that's really wonderful. So you've, you know, there's one thing that I did observe. I I lived in uh, Los Angeles for, for quite a while and I kind of, I had to kind of, reverse engineer like how do these people it was right when funny or die was just launching how do these people even do this how do they know each other oh right so then i go okay so there's this same four or five men and women that are in all these particular videos if this you know this kind of genre there's these same four or five people that keep showing up and these four or five people are shooting them and oh so those guys known each other from this and you kind of trace it back a year or two or three and you'll find three of them at Groundlings and two of them at UCB. Yeah. And then the other three are the, the, over at the film school and, and they all t- are the same age or similar age and they all kind of move together. Yeah. And I then realised I was at a massive disadvantage because I didn't know anyone who was doing the same thing and so I enrolled in UCB. Yeah. Uh, nice. So, I did well, you. I had to. Otherwise oh. I wouldn't know anybody. Yeah, great. Uh, I, that was the only way I could kind of get in. Yeah. Uh, was but I never made it to the shows. But yeah. Because uh, thankfully I, was, I kept getting hired back here, so yeah. I was never able to commit to a team. Yeah, yeah. But um, it, it, I think uh, what I found it to be so important, that whether it if, if you're in a startup, if you're in, if you're trying to create the next, you know, um, additive manufacturing, 3D printing startup, whatever, just being around a group of people that are all moving in the same direction is yeah. so important. Absolutely, yeah. We say that to everyone starting out, like yeah. find your people, find your tribe. Yeah. Um, we the people that I mean, obviously Sarah and. Greta and I, we we were all kind of in the like orbiting each other, and it was at a um a film festival where we were watching all our mates with it with all their films in the lineup. We realised there was all guys, all guys in the lineup. And this was back in 2012, 
um, that's when we realised that, you know, A, there's no females doing any sketch comedy online or live or anything that we could see at the time. So that's why we got together. But um, with our three kind of connections, uh, we still work with the, the same people from from five years ago and they're all excelling in their different ways and we all kind of pay each other back. And there's this broader kind of community. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Community online, online comedy. We call it Oncom. Of course we do. Of course we do. Yeah. Um, spread the word. But um, this community of, of like-minded creators who aren't just actors or directors or editors, they're everything, um, we are all very, very supportive of each other and we all c- collaborate um, because it's, it's important and it's fun. Um, in that TV land and even stand-up comedy land, there's a bit of a disparity between everyone. There's a bit more kind of competition. But um, we found in this kind of in this la- in this landscape of online comedy, and and still branching in, into a bit of TV, there's this awesome community, and it, it's a it's integral to find find your tribe and find your people, and they're everywhere. So when you first what, take take me through that first conversation that led to that shoot a month later. Yeah, take me through that. So Sarah Greta and I had worked with each other in different projects. Um, Sarah and I had worked on Bondi Hipsters together. Um, Greta and I had worked on a short film and Sarah and Greta had worked on a musical comedy show and we'd each had conversations with each other, you know, just kind of offhand, like, oh, you know, we should do something. We should get together, blah, 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 like warming into it. And then it was at the Optus 180 project, which was when it was still around, um, that we were all a bit drunk and that's always when the best decisions are made. And, uh, we... We said, let's let's get together and let's actually do something. And next morning it was text, emails, okay, when do you want to meet up? Let's meet up at a pub. Week later, met up at a pub, sat around, jammed on some characters. Um, those characters, we each went away and wrote some stuff and we set a date um, a, a month from then and said, let's, let's, let's get the shoot going in a month. And so How we important did- was it to have that deadline? incredibly otherwise you do not get it done deadlines are key to getting shit done i think that's one of the biggest boons of screen australia and screen new south wales um, and all the state screens is that they have application fundings with deadlines and you need those deadlines um film festivals deadlines that's what you work towards if you don't have a deadline you're never going to get it done because you can you can you know try and perfect a script you can let self-doubt kind of take over but if you have, if you work actively towards a date, it, all that stuff d- 
doesn't matter because it just – and, you know, the scripts that we had written um, were woefully underdrafted. They were pretty crazy and terrible um, and a lot of it was improv on the day when we shot them and that's kind of where the gold happened. Um, that's probably not how we like to work now but back then it didn't matter because that we just wanted to make stuff. So, yeah, dates, incremental – and then, yeah, so in between, in between writing and, and shooting, um, we pulled together a crew. We had no money, I think maybe about 500 bucks that we put towards, you know, catering and um, a couple of little bits and pieces for gear. But we just found like-minded crew that we'd worked with because I'd worked in advertising at, in TVC production. I reached out to a, a DOP, um, an amazing DOP. Director um, of photography. Yep. yep. So, yeah, the camera, camera girl. Uh, name's Tanya Lambert. She's incredible. Um, she 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 donated her time, her camera, um, found a first AC for free because she loved the idea of what we were doing and it was exciting and fun. You know, in TV land, especially TV ad land, it can be a bit same, same what you're working on. This was weird. It was all female content. It was confronting and funny. Um, and so that's how we attracted other people, other crew to work on it. And yeah, we got, we, we got, uh, Christian Van Buren, who's my partner, um, to help us with, um, kind of overseeing the project. He directed a few of the sketches. We had directors from Jungle, which is a TV, um, production agency, uh, production company to direct a few. And then we, once we shot those, we made a decision to, put them on the Van Buren Brothers channel. So at the time they had um, just started Bondi Hipsters and mm-hmm. they had the fully sick rapper stuff. I think they had about 80,000 subscribers and I could, I could, you know, Christian really loved the, the project because mm. he was so personally involved at the time. Um, he was happy to have a, a channel with access to his um, subscribers. And it, that was just, you know, it was either that or starting from scratch. And we knew that was really hard. Mm. Um, it still is. It's incredibly hard to start from scratch. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's how that, that was in, yeah, 2012. So just two, two things out of what you just said that I'm interested to kind of dig a little deeper in. The idea of, and many, many, many great projects start with, look, there's no money, <laughs> um, but it'll be fun. Yeah. How important was all the relationships you'd built since you started at the age of 20 into that one weekend of free shooting. Very, very important. Um, they do it because they like you. If you've got no money, um, you've got to kind of win them over. Um, so it, it, it all came down to friends and work colleagues who knew us um, and who were interested in what we were doing. They've got to find that as the attractive bit if there's no money. I mean, we just did a TV show and um, we're still like, look, there's hardly any money, but you read the script, see if you like it. So it is about, it's a passion thing. Um, we got all our actor friends involved. For them, you know, there's also the, the um, there's also the uh, advantage that they get to have something on their show reel, that they get to have some exposure um, and, for, for the crew, it's about upskilling, um, getting more experience. But you got to be nice and you got to be friendly and you got to feed them. Even if you have no money, you feed your crew. Coffee too. Don't don't screw around. <laughs> and, but what, what you're saying is, is, is really important because if you've been, like say for, if you, for example, if you've only ever been, you know, second AD or a runner, so the, for people who aren't in the in the 
film and television game. There's there's the director, which a lot of people are familiar with that role, but the director has someone called the first AD, the first assistant director, who's the one that actually goes around and set. They're the bad cop to the director's good cop. They're the, you've got to get ready now. We're not fucking around. Let's do it, do it, do it. And there's a second AD who's the the worst cop. Sometimes there's even a third AD who you really don't want to fuck around with. But it's an opportunity for, say, for example, if you've been a first for a long time, it's your opportunity to maybe direct something yeah, or to maybe you know run a camera thing. Yep. Um, these are things you've written and things that you've created can you talk us through for people that maybe, you know, this is my passion, this is my precious, this is exactly mine. Can you talk us through the idea of having someone else, a, another director, come in and then go, mm, you should do it this way? Well, yeah, that's an interesting point. Back then, we, and to an extent we still do it now, um, we're very protective over our scripts. We have a brand that we need to maintain and we had one back then too. So what we did was, and this is another a way in which to help get free work, the directors that we asked to help us, we, we made sure we did a lot of the groundwork for them that they were comfortable with. So, for example, we would put together um, – that we would produce it, but we'd also put together all the creative behind it. So they would rock up to set and we already had the costumes made, you know, the decisions made for costume, for location, um, for casting, uh, which they were completely comfortable with. So that all they had to do was basically just performance direct, which is what we needed really. Um, even the edit, which Greta did because that's her skill, she, um, she would put together the edits to the best of her ability and then the director would oversee and give some feedback. So we maintained a lot of control back then. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, in this, uh, th- this is very much to do with being an online creator because you've got to be a jack of all trades. Um, and when you're online and you have a fan base, you also need to maintain your brand. So you've got to find, if you're not wanting to direct, you've got to find someone who knows your voice. Um, there is danger in being too controlling um, because you can you can kind of slow things down. Um, if you're megalomaniacal like I am, which means you just need to sometimes be in control of everything, you can burn out. So it took me a little while to kind of relinquish that um, and, and, and have an element of trust. But I think if you're starting out, there's so many ways. We were very lucky to have a lot of people that we could call on um, ask favours who were in a great position to help mentor us in terms of directing. Um, and we could kind of relinquish that kind of control because they were fantastic. They knew what they were doing and they loved the comedy. So, And also we were performing. So if you're a performer, you can kind of still, you know, have a lot of say in what you're doing um, in terms of improv, in terms of going one direction, and then just obviously the director can give you suggestions of other takes and you do it because that's how it works. When you are in the regular world of people seeing your work, be it television, be it film, uh, you're isolated from the instant and sometimes terrifying feedback of the YouTube comments box. Oh, yeah. What were your first experiences like with dealing with that? Oh, yeah, it's not nice. We, My very first experience with uh, comments was actually uh, another project I did called Eastern Suburbs Mums, and we basically dressed up as kind of uh, older women, um, decadent women who were more interested in their own lifestyle than like raising their daughters. Um, and, uh, that was really fun. But our very first iteration of that very first sketch, um, it was, it was very raw and very long and it went up on the Van Buren brothers channel. 
And it was a completely different demographic to what we probably should have like thought about because it was just a bunch of teenage guys who who, who were watching the Bondi Hipsters and who were watching Fully Sick Rapper. Um, they left, you know, Trent from Punchy and here, these two girls dressed up as, you know, rich old ladies talking about martinis and, uh, that didn't go down well. That was, that was nasty. You get some comments, just, it just hurts. Like you work so hard on something and then someone just goes boring, you know, who are these people? Like that kind of stuff. Um, at first it's, it's jarring, but then you take on board the comments or you have another go and, you got to learn from it. I mean, it's it's a blessing and a curse having that instant feedback. The curse is it hurts your ego um, if you allow it to, and the blessing is that you you know where you're sitting with the kind of public, um, as opposed to say working on a you know six or ten part TV show that you're working on for a whole year from writing all the way through to post, then you put it out there. And that's when you know that you've done something really bad or really good and mm. there's no room to uh, – usually there's no room to fix it unless they give you another season, which usually they don't. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like critique in, in the world that I exist in is, is people don't watch. Yeah. All right? You can say horrible shit about the show that I work on and that's fine. And people go, I can't fucking believe it. It's like, mate, if you really want to hurt me, stop wasting your time on Twitter Turn the TV off. Mm, that mm. will hurt me more than anything you could ever write yeah, here. Yeah. So in the world of people not giving you money for a ticket for either whether if you're you know if you're in a band or if you're in a, you know you're making a film or you're creating a product and the hurt the, there's a difference between you know I'm not going to buy the t-shirt you've made like that sucks and mm. that's how you fail but to have putting something out there for free and then have people still go you're shit. <laughs> Yeah, where's the good part in this? <laughs> well, I guess what I'm, what I'm asking is like at what point do you – I mean if, say, for example, it's a theatre goer, all right, you've yep. written a play and you go, well, this person's hopefully they're a discerning person who takes in a fair bit of theatre. Hopefully I'm not the first theatre show they've ever seen and they've decided, no, I don't want to see that. Okay, they're coming from an informed place, fair enough, mm. all right? But if you're, as you said, a teenage boy that wants to see, you know, Bondi hipster videos about always having 50 bucks for a gram of coffee <laughs> – that uh, no, was five hundred for gram of coke. Yeah, fifty bucks is a pretty sweet deal. But yeah. I can't remember the line. I think um, was, I got three fifty for a bag of coke. That's right, yeah. three fifty for a bag of coke. That was a line. <laughs> um, so if you're, you're, you know, it's like the real kind of Alex Williamson kind of viewer. All right, they're not giving you any money, you know, and yet they're still able to hurt your ego. Are you able to go? You know what? No, fuck you. You've got nothing invested in my success, so I'm not going to listen to you. Are you able to do that? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. There's um. There's a lot of ways in which to take on board trolls and bad comments. Um, the, I mean, a lot of people say, you know, you've got to take the good with the bad. So if you accept the good comments, you've got to accept the bad comments. I don't necessarily agree because people go out of their way to write good comments. They really mean it. But people who write bad comments, they have their own agenda. They just want to either get likes on their really creative, witty quips um, or it's just, so, you know, it's just so easy to an- anonymously write, you know, your shit. Um, so why are you, uh, your shit, that's your shit, <laughs> not my shit. Um, so there is an element where you can be, and we do, we're just like, fuck it. Like fuck the bad comments. Um, because just experience shows, doesn't matter what you put up, you're always going to get them. Um, for us, we just, we just kept making stuff because we had a, we had a trajectory that we wanted to fulfill. We wanted to get exposure and it was an, it's an interesting 
point you raise, uh, the the worst thing is if you put something out there and no one sees it. We at least got views, you know, and the comments, most of the comments were bad, but the views mean something because there are people out there who are watching that and they'll make their own decisions. I'm talking about people in the industry, um, networks, you know, the ABC who have been a huge supporter of us from the very beginning. They pragmatically watch up-and-coming talent online and in comedy, uh, stand-up comedy. So for us, we knew that there were people watching, so we kept making and we just kept making it better and better despite the bad comments. Um, but well, we're still, you know, active work. Active work probably was the only one that didn't really get that many bad comments. Um, a few people thought we were dissing, we were being anti-feminist and dissing women who like to wear comf- comfy clothes or, you know, that kind of stuff. But um, there was never anything really nasty. Um, we we re- released this year a video called I Got That Flow, which is about getting a period. Um, and that got a lot of, a lot of flack. Um, but that was a new kind of realm because the people that, the people that hated on it were actually, uh, eviscerated by the people that loved it. So you'd have threads and threads of conversation, um, about what we were saying and they were interpreting what we were doing. It was fantastic. It was the best kind of exposure and the best reaction They just, you don't get on TV much. (laughs) <laughs> or maybe you do. I don't know. Uh, not so much. I think the form of YouTube commentary is a thing unto itself. And the the most kind of feedback we get, I guess, would be on a Facebook video. Yeah. That yeah. Batch puts up yeah. or on, you know, on a Twitter feed. Yeah. Um, but it's just so much easier to write something horrible on a, on a YouTube uh, comment. Mm. So, if you'd be so kind as to kind of talk us through the genesis of the active wear scenario, I mean, it's hard to ignore living in this part of Sydney mm-hmm. uh, that it is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that first, where did that idea germinate? Well, in 2015, we had decided to do a live show. And so we, um, we were literally sitting around rehearsing our live show, jamming on ideas, getting up and doing some, some um, sketch work in our active wear. Um, Sarah and I especially, we were kitted up. I live in Bondi, so does Sarah. So we had our Lululemon, we had our little vests, we had our cute Nike runners. Um, it was incredibly comfortable. If you're going to rehearse in anything, rehearse in active wear. Like, do everything in active wear. But Sarah pointed it out. She's like, Adele, you're rehearsing in your active wear. And I'm like, yeah. And we literally, that was when we were like, you know, everyone's doing it. Every Like, I got a coffee, all my friends are doing it. So we had a bit of a laugh then. And the next day, Sarah came in and she's like, I've got this thing in my head. It's like going for a coffee in my active wear, doing a thing in my active wear. And we were like, yes, yes. So we went online, found a, a song. Um, Christian helped us uh, put together the song. And we did a kind of shortened version of it for our live show. So Sarah would come out, um, I'd be standing on stage, and I'd be like, oh, hey, love, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm just... um." I go, oh, yeah, I go, hey, love, are you going to the gym? She's like, no, I'm just going to go to the shops. In my, and then we, we turn to the audience and just dance, active wear, active wear. Yeah. And we did that like three different versions throughout the show um, and people loved it. Uh, so to the point where they were tweeting us pictures of random women they saw on the street in their active wear having coffee. Um, people were telling us that they had it stuck in their head and that's when we realised that this was something we should shoot quickly. And, again, we did. We set a date like a week later, still doing the show, 
um, got, um, again, Christian helped us with putting together the actual song. We recorded the song and he directed the video clip, got together a bunch of our girlfriends who, um, one of which had one of those active wear subscriptions. So she got like, she got like gym clothes delivered to her like every month. So we were all wearing all this beautiful, um, active wear and we just ran around the streets of Bondi and Coogee, um, shot it completely gorilla style. We didn't even wear makeup. We were usually quite pragmatic about having like a crew and all that kind of stuff. We, um, prided ourselves on having quality videos. Uh, this was probably the lowest, low-fi quality, cheapest thing to make. None of us are wearing makeup. Um, and we, you just had the song on a Bluetooth speaker? Yeah, exactly. And we just danced like idiots, you know, and just ran around. Uh, Christian edited the, the video. And we it, up, that was after three years of being Skipbox and putting things online and thinking this is it, this is the viral by then, we were kind of like jaded and we're just like, oh, let's just chuck it up. We'll maybe get like 100,000 views. That'd be cool. Yeah. Up until then, we only had maybe 40,000 views was the most we had on Facebook or YouTube. Um, Facebook, we had, I think, 1,000 followers. YouTube, we had less. Um, I uploaded that clip from the chair of a hairdresser um, at 7 o'clock at night with, on a Monday, which is like the worst uploading traffic time ever but we just had no time like screw it let's do it and within an hour it had about a thousand comments and it's all people tagging their friends Mm. um by the next day we were on a million views (laughs) 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 like oh this is different this is gonna be something wow yeah what a what an extraordinary! I mean, like we still we still jam about it on the show today. We 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 wondered whether we'd ruffle the feathers of the activewear brand. Making billions of dollars, I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, we help them. Yeah, it's free advertising. They don't care. Yeah. So, but there's there's got to be a point where it comes to like, all right, this is the biggest thing we've made, and we made it for you know not even the smell of an oily rag. We couldn't even buy the oil to put the rag on. Yeah. Um, there's got to be a point where like we're actually going to need more money. Uh, how do you go about getting more money? Uh, so to, to make more stuff? Yeah. Yeah, that's a bajillion dollar question. We're still figuring that out. Um, there's lots of different ways. So once you're kind of over the self-funding, which it's not it's not, um, it's not, not something you can really do forever. Because like, I'm rent. sure those, those million views that you got in 24 hours didn't pay for your haircut. Oh, hell no. So that's no. the thing. We're on 80 million views and we're still not getting any money. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what... What happened straight after that was um, we got started getting approached by brands um, who wanted us to make more virals, quote unquote, and that had, that's that's a that's been paying our rent. Um, that's a really great way to fund your life um, if you can get to that point. If you're not at that point where people are approaching you, um, and we'd already started doing this, applying for funding through Screen Australia screen and, and the statewide screens is incremental. It's so important. And, again, they're looking for new projects. They are... It's like Screen Victoria, Screen Queensland, Screen New South Wales, et cetera. Exactly, okay. yeah. They're always looking for new projects and they're always looking for up-and-coming talent because that's their... that Well, essentially, that's what their government funding is for. It's to fund and create Australian jobs um, through the arts. So that's what we started doing. Um, at the time of activewear becoming viral we were already involved in a development program um with screen australia and abc called fresh blood uh where we had already made a pilot and that was funding straight from them so uh, we were given at the time 50 grand to make a 30 minute pilot for a tv show that we wanted to pitch for a series um we were successful 
Well, so just let me just point it out for, for people listening. That 50 grand may sound like, wow, $50,000. That You can go through $50,000 in 45 minutes yes. on a film set. Mm-hmm. If, like, if you're not shooting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's excruciatingly expensive yes. to make yes. stuff that looks good. Yeah. Right. So low budget. Yeah. Low Micro. budget. Micro. Yeah, yeah. So all those people we weren't paying before. We called them up, like all the crew, the, DA, the the directors of photography, the actors called them up again and said, hey, we got a little bit of money. Do you want to do it this time? And, again, it's so – it's baby steps. It's it's better. It's better than no money. This yeah. time we were able to, instead of have a skeleton crew um, with the camera cameraman just, you know, doing the lights and having no assistance or anything, we had a full-scale crew. We had – um, lighting technicians, we had first and second ADs, mm. um, we've got a producer on board. Um, so for us it was a step forward. But, yeah, very small, very small step. Um, but that's essentially in order to make stuff um, that you're not self-funding, they would be the ways to go. And it's very chicken and egg because you need to make stuff in order to get exposure, viral or otherwise, um, and you need to be able to self-fund that. So... It's hard. It's a very hard thing to crack. Um, but once you do, if you're if you're lucky enough to get a few million views on something, people do start approaching you. You, st- you, you know, we got everything. We had, you know, the whole shebang of like American agents on the phone. What do you want to do with your life? Like, where do you want to go? Like, who do you want to be? Like, Amy Schumer? Like, we can, you can talk to her. Like, we can, you can do, would you want to do a film with her? And we're like, yes, yes. <laughs> cool. And it's like, you're book still deals. waiting on that call? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's that's a classic U.S. management first meeting mm-hmm. line. Oh, I can get you a meet with Amy Schumer. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. She'd love to work with you. Like you should do a book deal. Like oh yeah, I, we do have an untold story. Everyone wants to know that. <laughs> but okay, so there was a time when, primarily, and you mentioned it earlier when you talked about the film festival. There was a time when uh, comedy in Australia was just dudes. Yeah. Just, just, just dudes. Are Australian audiences, or let's say, you know, international audiences, but let's say Australian audiences particularly, are they ready for their, their Australian women to be funny in the way you guys are being funny? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, the reason why I know that is because, like, again, online, um, a lot of our a lot of ours and a lot of um, the fans of other female comedy groups out there, like Freudian Nip, Sketchy, um, they have so many female fans and they identify and relate to the work so much with such enthusiasm that I know that on traditional TV networks, I know that um, there's a huge opportunity being missed. Unfortunately, um, as you well know, in the three main networks, it's very hard to take risks because you can't just just get a show and see how it goes even if it doesn't rate well because you got you got your advertisers that you got to impress or whatever that however that whole machine works um but definitely australia is ready um and i'm hoping that the networks will open there and look the comedy that we do skipbox we're very off we're very confronting very off the cuff like we make stuff that is meant to challenge everyday um, everyday issues that women go through that aren't quite okay. So we talk about in a funny way, in a very satirical way, but we go there. We talk about, yeah, like um, having a period is as an anthem um, because 
we know that most people associate female comedians with period jokes. So they're like, oh, yeah, here's our goddamn period joke, and it was a big one. Um, we do things about sexual harassment that people face, but instead of uh, women being sexually harassed, say, by construction workers when they walk past them on the street, we harass con- construction workers as they walk past on the street with inappropriate relationship catcalls. Um we do stuff that's a little bit challenging and a little bit kind of um, underground in, in, in many ways. Um, after Active Wear, we broadened our um, trajectory. But definitely I can't really see the kind of comedy we do at the moment um, going on, say, Channel 9 with where Channel 9 is. Um, but I think that eventually, hopefully one day when we all evolve, um, <laughs> Channel 9, Channel 7. I think Channel 10 are doing really well um, in terms of uh, – that's my favourite TV channel. I'm not just saying that because, you know, you do things on it. It's literally my favourite. It's the only one that really takes any kind of risks. I You're think. in the demo, so. Yes, exactly. I know. Yeah, I know. 18 to 45, Bloody. female. You're, yeah, that's it. You're bang oh, in the middle. I'm such a I'm, – I'm disgusting about Batchy. I'm <laughs> disgusting. MasterChef, all of it. I'm so – when I'm you cool. mentioned you mentioned before, like other, you mentioned Channel Nine, and you mentioned some of the YouTube comments about the the, the period video. Are men of Australia ready for the kind of comedy? Um, I'd like to think so. I have a lot of faith in 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 that. Um, again, it's very hard to say broadly. Um, I know all the men that I work with, but they are in the arts and entertainment. I mean, even my male friends who are Oh, aren't. you were in the bubble, darling. You were, yeah, you I'm in are, such a bubble. bubble as exactly. Can. They love it. You know, they're <laughs> feminists, they're everything. Um, so I, I don't want to paint them with that brush. But, yeah, look, uh, look. I mean, look at everything. Look at the climate of Australia right now. I mean, look at the vote yes to gay marriage and how that's that's a thing, right? Um, in many ways there are a lot of people in Australia who might not be ready for um edgy confronting female driven humor because they might feel confronted by it we do challenge in many ways the patriarchy and people men feel responsible for that when they shouldn't anyway um so yes i think i think men feel responsible for the patriarchy yeah i mean and i don't think that they should because the patriarchy is a term used for the system that we're in right i mean this is one school of thought but the system that we're in was built and and maintained by men in power and it still is today but the only reason why i don't think men modern men should feel responsible for the everyday man is because they're also victims of this patriarchy in terms of their masculine this whole uh, idea of masculinity that they need to come under there's a huge amount of male suicide in this in this country that is um generally because of a system that was built not to cater for their emotional needs so again could go into that for ages but under this kind of umbrella that we're in, in terms of how hard it is for us to kind of move forward in, in terms of, um, say, voting for, you know, same-sex couples to get married, um, I think there's also this uh, unwillingness to open your eyes to a uh, type of humour and type of creativity that isn't what you're generally used to and might, you might find confronting, like female-driven comedy. So... Yeah, I think there's a little bit of a way to go for the men of Australia in a very general mm. way. Well, comedy's always been the thing that has held the mirror up to yep. society. And if you, I know it's an American uh, lens, but if you go and look at Richard Pryor's early stuff, yep. the sort of stuff that he was doing, like y- you didn't see that in popular culture for 20, 25 years. Yeah. 
all right, but he was talking about it in stand-up way, 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 way earlier. Yeah. I, I, but then again, that's on the, the cycle of you could only hear it if you lived in a town that he didn't tour. You could only hear it once every year yeah. when he put a record out, mm, mm. all right? But now we live in this world where you can be living in, you know, Nuriupta on the other side of the, you know, yeah. <laughs> Gulf of St. Vincent in Adelaide yeah. and still hear about something fascinating. Um, I don't know if you've I've ever spent any time in Adelaide, but I lived there for a little while. There is an Instagram account called Shit Adelaide, and it is so glorious. <laughs> it is so glorious. But it's through tiny little things like that, these tiny little micro satires hmm. that break down this this kind of, you know, system that we kind of will cite. Like I, growing up in Queensland, was brought up to believe, look, as long as you play by the rules, everything will be fine. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, when those rules oppress you, I mean, they're not oppressing me. I'm a straight white middle class male. Mm-hmm. I'm fucking yeah, fine. You're fine. You're sweet. <laughs> I'm sweet ass. You got cheap haircuts, flat shoes. You got you got everything. I'll I'll have you take that back. Thank you. This is <laughs> this is not a cheap haircut. <laughs> Did you pay over a hundred dollars for that haircut? No, but I did exactly. in the past when I was blonde. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. three. Highlights. I was three kinds of blonde. They get you. They get you, don't they? Yeah, I was three kinds of blonde with a full a full head of foils. It took five hours. <laughs> I was I was still drinking back then. Yeah. <laughs> It was a six pack. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a six pack back then. <laughs> um, you are. Do you see yourself as a? Do you see a responsibility in what you've got now? Now that you've got such momentum behind you, do you see responsibility for the the young women? I'm going to say mostly young women and men that follow you. Who are I'm, I love these girls because they tell the story the way I see the world. Do you feel the responsibility is to? Oh shit, we really can't stop now. We've got to keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the responsibility to your fans and subscribers is really important if you want to maintain it. Um, and having a brand or having, you know, brand isn't a great word, but having something that you stand for and a message, I think is really important to keep up. Um, it also keeps your, it keeps your creativity vibrant and challenged. Um, there are a lot of great comedy groups that do arbitrary it seems like arbitrary sketch comedy but it's all rooted in what they want to say and what they want to do um and so is ours so it's important for skipbox to maintain that voice and it's always a voice representing uh females so um yeah it is it is very important we on an everyday basis we don't really look at what we're doing as something that's paving the way for other women but we we like to think that it might um or that you know if it inspires one person to get a camera and to shoot some stuff, then that's amazing, you know, and we'd love to hear those stories. Uh, look, the other the other real, you know, reality is that we need to, you know, feed our kids and pay our rents. <laughs> so Skipbox is kind of helpful for that. <laughs> well, you figured out a way to do it, doing something that you love to do and you work with your friends. Yeah. It's pretty, that's, uh, it's that's the lottery right pinch there. Pinch yourself, yeah. It is great. Like, Sometimes it's incredibly difficult, but you do have to step back and go, hey, it's it's work, but I'm doing literally the thing that I love. And I was working full time for, you know, a corporate office um, and that was not what I loved. And there are people who still do that every day and, and they feel forced and they have to. And um, I'm really lucky that I got to be able to, you know, do something different and I'm not rolling in it, you know. I still get my cheap haircuts, but um, I can pay my rent, I can feed my kids and I can keep. I can keep uh, doing what I'm doing. I can keep looking for new projects comfortably. But you made the choice, a clear and distinct choice, I don't want this corporate thing anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like my dad said when I told him I quit my job, he's like, all right, 
As ACD say, say, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. <laughs> and I'm like, what does that even mean? He's like, you're not going to have any money for ages. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, at least your father had a parenting moment quoting Bon Scott. That's, yeah, that's my dad. That's pretty. That's yeah. that's pretty great. <laughs> uh, so before we before we get out of here, if there was one thing that you'd say for because there's heaps of people listening that will never upload a video to YouTube that isn't you know just their kid doing. They ninety nine percent of people listening will never upload a video to YouTube, let alone a scripted one. Yep. But everyone listening faces criticism. Yeah. What would you say that you've learned about? You know, the stuff that we talked about before, if you could distill that down, what would you say about what you've learned about facing criticism? Uh, Look, yes, everyone in life, no matter what they do, faces criticism and also faces self-doubt. It doesn't matter how far you get and doesn't matter how successful or unsuccessful you are, it is always there. And for me, what I've learned, um, and Sarah and Greta certainly have learned the same thing, is you've got to live with it, own it, and remain confident in your own authenticity and your own voice. Be confident in who you are. It doesn't mean you have to know who you are because you really the pursuit of your own self-awareness is ongoing. But being confident in the fact that you are, I know this is going to sound corny, but you're unique, you're special, and you're excellent. And it doesn't matter what haters say. Haters are going to hate. You know, you just got to shake it off. And we have had a lot of hate and we've had a lot of people just ignoring you and not caring. And that's another thing that as um, women in comedy you kind of face is this, oh, yeah, you're, you're a niche, you're novel, um, it's going to kind of wear off. And that, that's, it can be really demoralizing. But you just got to be confident in what you do and who you are and why you're doing it. And what would you say for people who are listening who are all jazzed up now? And they're like, oh, I'm going to do that thing. I'm going to fucking do that thing. Then do it. Yeah. Set a date. Um, find some help. And don't let that niggling voice in the back of your head say you can't do it because you can. And if at first it's shit, try, try again because, yeah, it'll be shit a few times. It's guaranteed. Guaranteed. That's fine. People will still love it. There are still people who love our really old, really cruddy stuff, you know. Um, but we look back on it and it's Cringeville. But, yeah, it's fun because it came from the same place as why we do it now, which was we wanted to and we loved it and it was it was just it's just a blast. So do it. Rad. I know you've got a, uh, a small child having a nap right now. Yeah. But that small child's probably going to wake up and wonder yep. where you are. I think I got a missed call from Christian, so he's probably wondering what to do. <laughs> the baby I'm really trying to do. It's his second child. He should know by now. Now he's good. He's like he's a great dad. If you're listening, Christian, he is like uh, 50-50% dad, mum. He's both. He's fantastic. Wow. Yeah, new age man. Did, was he born like that or did he just need to learn it? Oh, I'll say he was born like that because, wow. yeah, he's got some good, he's got some good parents. Uh, lucky. <laughs> yep. Good stuff. Hey, thanks for coming around today. Oh, thanks, Sasha. This I'm just going to shoot great. the photo real quick yeah, and then great. get you out of here. All right, sweet. That was Adele Vuko. You can find her on Instagram at Adele underscore V-U-K-O. Yeah, you can also find uh, her incredible comedy team, Skitbox, on Instagram at S-K-I-T underscore B-O-X. Thank you so much to Haley for helping me get Adele into the house. Uh, thanks very much to Andy for producing this episode. 
And um, thanks for listening. Thanks heaps. Vote yes. Vote love. Sleep well. And dream of beautiful things. See you next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.